Welcome to Beyond the Norm. I am Norm Lavalette, and this is Beyond the Norm. I just said the title twice in five seconds. I'm really getting the branding out there. This is where we talk about things, improv and comedy and business and entrepreneurialism. I think I put an L in there where there isn't. Uh, half, I struggle with that word. And all those kind of things of trying to do things with our life that are interesting, especially in these times where those options are limited. I am joined, as always, by the lovely, the talented, the loaded with superfoods, uh, Ari Goldberg. Hello, Ari. Hey, how's it going, Norm? So what superfood are you loaded with? Sardines, Norm. Sardines. Sardines are a superfood. I, I didn't know that before just now. Um, I, I, I don't think they're, I don't think they're too super. Well, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's all about if are we eating for fuel or are we eating for taste? So yes, yeah, so sardines are a superfood, uh, and uh, they're they're actually a food that that has high caloric intake, and that's why that used to be a uh, a food a food item that that people, especially the working class, uh, poverty, they would eat because they had, it had such a, such caloric, uh, high caloric value. And that's why you would see like, huh. you know, the, you know, twenties and thirties, a guy is eating, you know, sardines on their bread or, or whatever as they, yeah, uh, I did not know that. In New York. Yeah, yeah. New York is built on um, fish. And the reason that it is, it's true. The Fulton fish market and the unions and the, the mafia that ran the docks and everything. Uh, you are yeah. correct, Ari. It is yeah. uh, and, and why are we talking about sardines? Well, the reason we're talking about sardines is that Ari and I are, uh, we're, we're part of a show. Uh, really, I would say we're more part of an experiment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's probably a, a better app because I don't think it's quite a show yet. Do you, Ari? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. There, there's something... There's something there. We're we're just we're we're just figuring out. We could talk more about that because that that's also part of like you know the iteration process. But we're part mm-hmm. of a show, and uh, and in that show it's called Anything for Money, and it's it's an interesting concept. But one of the things is there are different bits that people can buy, and the bit that we did was that well, we had a container, a tin of sardines, and there are 22 sardines in the tin, and viewers could pay ten dollars uh, a sardine or ten dollars to have Ari eat a sardine, mm-hmm. and. True to humanity, always wanting to torture somebody else less fortunate. We sold out of those sardines pretty quickly, too. We really did. So we made uh, we made uh, on on the uh, on the backs or or in the mouth of Ari, we made two hundred and twenty dollars just on that bit alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was uh, it was pretty fun. So you know what what that show is, and so we talk a lot about you know uh, do I, does it make me money? Do I love it? Uh, am I intellectually curious? Well, well, here's here's something that probably hits all three, right? Which is, look, intellectually curious. I'm very intellectually curious on this concept of of a show, which is how do you marry kind of you know comedy and and the character stuff that we do with maybe something that's unexpected. And in this case, that unexpected is is uh, something like QVC or Home Shopping Network. Uh, mm-hmm. Those two things don't necessarily go together. But what I also love, and I think we've talked about this before, I love thrift, consignment, secondhand uh, stores, stuff like that. And and so I said, well, in my mind, I'm like, well, what if we did a show that was nominally, you know, experimentally QVC for thrift? Yeah. Where, where the interactivity was real. Everything that you you see on camera, you can buy from what the actors are wearing to what's on the set to things that we are saying that you can buy. So literally everything can be bought. Um, yet it's it's also being pitched through a lens of 
this is a comedy show and we're trying to do stuff. So that that's the that's the concept that we're experimenting with. And so that that covers both my intellectual curiosity. Uh, it covers my love of comedy and creating and trying to create new things. And then from a money standpoint, hey, if you could ever get something like this to hit, this is this is how I've created shows in the past, which is I don't know if they're they're going to work. And certainly in their inception, they're usually the first few are pretty rough. Uh, and that can be that can be that can be scary. And, and I think it becomes and we were talking about this uh, at rehearsal today, as a matter of fact, uh, Ari, which mm-hmm. is, you know, we always talk about, oh, you got you got to suck to get great. Right. And, yeah. and I think on some level, that's that's easy to understand. But the, what's what I find much harder, it's harder to it's harder to go back to sucking once you've been pretty good at something. Right. Because because. Yeah. If you got, we all suck to begin with, and we don't even know how bad we suck, so it's kind of irrelevant, <laughs> you know. Like yeah. it's, it's like we're, wherever you grew up, you're like, I don't know. I guess this is a good enough place to grow up. Well, you wouldn't know because you've never been anywhere else. So it could be an amazing place to grow up, or also it could suck, right? Um, and, and so, so I think it's one thing. Well, everybody's bad to begin with, and you're surrounded by bad people. You know, you're bad, and you more or less kind of only improve you know, day to day. Whereas I think what becomes very hard for, for people that have ha- found success, certainly in anything, but, but in, in the performing arts or in comedy is, you know, you're taking these creatives, these performers, these actors, myself, in terms of, you know, creating ideas. And we've been very successful on a certain level. And now we're going back to creating something totally different, totally new, totally um, unprecedented. And so you got to suck again for a while. And, mm-hmm. and try these new things and try out these ideas. And, and I think that it can be, it can be tricky to push that ego aside. Uh, Cause you know, you're saying to yourself, but man, I know, I know we're better than this. And that, that is true, but to get to where we need to go, we kind of got to go back to our roots and, and, you know, kind of muck around in the, in the dirt for a little while. Yeah. And mucking around is exactly what we're doing right now. Well, but that's the only way to do it though. And, and I think, yeah it's one thing for us to talk about and me to talk about and tell people that they got to go and they got to try and they got to do new things and they got to, you know, not worry about being judged. Mm-hmm. Well, it applies to what I'm trying to do as well. And so for me, you know, may- maybe I'm not doing the character stuff that those actors are on stage, but, but for me, it's a little bit different in the sense that I have a bunch of people looking at me going, what, what is this? <laughs> Why are we doing this? What? Yeah. QVC for thrift. What is this? And and I have to I have to be able to block that out. I have to be able to block block out kind of that vibe and say to myself, nope, I can see something in my mind, and maybe I'm not able to get the group to execute it the way I envision it just yet. But but I have to believe in what I see, um, and I and 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 have the confidence to to try it. And that that's you know that's my role. Sure. So, yeah, so that that covers all all all, th- all three of the things and uh, and and Ari's sardines. So <laughs> uh, we'll see what kind of bit we have coming up for you on this one. The next show is actually uh, coming up this Friday. So I wouldn't I think this this podca- podcast goes out on Thursday. Right? Yeah, I will release this on Thursday. Um, so tomorrow uh, tune in to our YouTube page uh, or our website improvisam.com slash live to check out the show. Yeah, that's a great plug. And uh, you can check out the show. You can see what the hell we're working on and you can probably torture Ari again a little bit because I think I have to <laughs> So that's good. So uh, speaking of torture, mm-hmm. uh, I've, I've been very excited 
to uh, to actually finally get this guest uh, on the show. I've known known him and of him and and, and what he does for a little while now, uh, and it's fascinating. It's it, it's 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 a and and it really I think speaks to this idea, almost what what we're doing or what I'm trying to do with the show, which is if you could envision it. And you can stay with it. You can make it happen. It's, it's probably going to take a lot longer than you thought. And it's not going to go exactly the way that you thought. Uh, but, 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 but you gotta, you, know, you kind of got to believe even when nobody else does. Because uh, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else is going to. Uh, and, and other people come around. So this guy, uh, I'm, just, I'm just so excited to, uh, to have as our guest. And I'm always excited for all of our guests. It's very mm-hmm. rare that I'm like, ugh, this guest is on. So, <laughs> kind of, kind of something that you say, right? But on the other yeah. hand, uh, this this next guest is is very fun and exciting to me. Uh, I'll get into how we met a, a little bit later on, but but suffice it to say that the time that I spent with this next guest was probably one of the most fun and wild and interesting nights that I've had in a couple years. So, uh, so it's, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy, uh, but I'll let him tell you a lot more about it. So I'd love to introduce our next guest. Usually I give all kinds of flowering accolades on comedy and talent and stuff like that. Uh, our next guest is a little bit different than that. So I'd love to say hello to, uh, Jay Travis. Jay is the, uh, founder and owner of Knights Hall and Armored Combat Sports. He's a four-time world champion and eight-time champion of america i don't even know if i'm saying that i'm gonna let him tell you all about it jay hello and thank you for joining us on beyond the norm uh hello everybody and thank you for having me on uh yeah i'm a four-time world champion and an eight-time u.s champion u.s champion uh, in the sport of armored combat yes the sport of armored combat so i'm gonna throw that right to you tell us uh, what the hell the sport of armored combat is? Because I got to see it firsthand, and we'll talk about that in a second. But but what what is that, Jay? So the sport of armored combat uh, is a recreation of the sports of the Middle Ages. So so if you think of medieval knights uh, smashing each other with axes and swords, uh, that's the stuff that we do. Except we're not doing theatrical stuff. We're doing full contact fighting with real swords and real axes. And real armor. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We have to wear real, real right, yeah. armor. I mean, you, you guys uh, are- otherwise, you are in the hospital and you die. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we have to wear full contact armor. Uh, armor weighs between 65 and 90 pounds. Uh, it is made out of steel. Uh and some padding underneath that, and the padding underneath that is usually a linen coat stuffed with wool. So, so this this is fascinating to me on on so many different levels, right? Because when, when we when we do improv, we do all those same things, Jay. It's just we're totally making pretend, and we have air axes and air swords, and it's all real. Let's play make pretend in our basement. What you guys do, and and women is you beat the loving piss out of each other. Uh, and this, this is not LARPing, as you say. This is not, this is not theatrical play. So I had, uh, I, I had the, uh, uh, the privilege to go up and, uh, and actually see, see a live event in, uh, in Manchester. That's where your uh, facility is, correct? Uh, no, Nashua. Nashua, that's where you're, you're in Nashua. 
I apologize to all no denizens of Nashua. I'm sorry I confused you with Manch Vegas. My bad. Uh, and uh, there's and Tommy it, right there. Yeah, it really is. So it, it was insane. So I, I had found this. I'm not even sure how the hell I found it. I obviously, I must have found it on the internet. I reached out uh, as I want to do anytime I see something interesting and reach out and said, hey, man, I'd love to talk to you about some things that we're doing. I'd love to come see, come, come see what you do. Jay was nice enough to invite me up. And so Ari's setting the picture, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I don't know if this was a Friday or Saturday night, but it was like a Friday or Saturday night. I don't know when you have your, your, um, your matches. It was a Saturday right? night. Yeah, Saturday night. So I don't know. It was Saturday night. It was probably sometime in the uh, late winter-ish, uh, early spring. Drive up to Nashua. And and your facility, it's in like an old factory or where? Yeah, is it's, it? in a, it's an old uh, turn of the century, a uh, turn of the twentieth century uh, shoe factory. Yeah, right. So you pull up in this thing, right? And you're like, what the hell is this? What is going on, right? There's there's you know not a ton going on at, at the old uh, the old shoe factory. So which makes it all the better, which makes it already you're building like a, a mystery on this. And I came a couple people came with me. I think it was. Uh, Bob Melly and, and I don't know who else might it might have been uh, Ross and and so we so we came up and you've got to like kind of figure it out find the entrance uh, and you're up on what the third fourth floor fourth floor and you come yeah. up on that old rickety elevator yeah it's the best it's the best don't change a thing don't polish that thing up at all and you come up on the old rickety elevator and you're like this is crazy what 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 is going on and so you arrive and and describe you know what your facility is there. So when you walk in, it goes from being a, just your typical old mill building uh, to uh, a medieval arena on the inside made to look like uh, a castle in Poland. Uh, so inside, uh, you'll find all of our fans inside, and then you'll find you know, 25, 30 nights uh, ready to go. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was so it, it was so fun, and, and to walk into, you know, it, it's like anything theatrical, right? You walk into the reveal, you don't know what you're getting, and that's way more fun than showing up, in my opinion, anyways, and then showing up at this, you know, beautiful facade or whatever. That that has obviously its marketing advantages as well. But for me, selfishly, I loved kind of walking into this not knowing, and then you see this really well thought out, what well created, you know, for lack of a better word, in, in my in my world, a set, right? And so, and so it was great. Grab the, grab the beer and you go into the arena and, and you literally watch two fully clad knights with full on steel armor and full on steel weapons. The only difference is that the weapons are the, the sharp edges are blunted. Am I correct in saying that? That is absolutely correct. So the edges are blunted and we kind of tried to make the place have a, an ambiance of a knight's tale and fight club kind of squished together. Well, you, you, you've, you've done it and you've done a fantastic job. And so that's, that's such a great description of it. And then, and then they, they, they go at it and Ari, mm. I'm telling you, it's, and I say this, it's, it's a weird way to use this word in a positive term, I suppose, uh, especially in this day and age, but it was the most violent thing I think I've ever witnessed in person. <laughs> uh, wow. But positively violent, controlled, safe, but no 
you know, no shit, man. Like th- this was not, as I say, it's it's not uh, it, it's not playing around. And and these these nights really really go at it. So so you know, Jay, I'd love to talk a little bit. Obviously, this is a long and deep. There's a long and deep history here of of what you do. What is this? Where does this all come from? Uh, how did you get started? Uh, you know, let's start there. So let's start at the beginning then. Uh, so I was uh, an avid uh, Dungeons and Dragons and uh, fantasy fiction, historical fiction reader uh, in the 1970s. And uh, so when, when, I was, when I was young. And then uh, I was 16 years old. It's 1981. And my mother says, hey, there's a Renaissance fair going down in a town right next to ours. And uh, so I said, oh, I'm really interested in that. And so I did my little Ren Faire costume like you're apt to do when you go to those things. And uh, I showed up and I saw these guys uh, uh, in what was called the Society for Creative Anachronisms. They were doing full contact fighting, no punching or kicking. It was just the weapons. And they were hitting each other with these uh, rattan or wooden weapons uh, about the heads and shoulders like they were being medieval knights and like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Let me try that. And so that was 1981. And, uh, I went to about four or five practices and, uh, realized that there was going to be a time commitment to getting good at this. Uh, and I had to finish high school. So I finished high school and came back to it again in 1984. Uh, in 1984, I got back into it and, uh, I haven't looked back. Uh, I started fighting, uh, seriously in 84. And then I was winning, uh, championships, uh, in the United States, uh, in that organization, which by the way, I didn't count earlier when we were talking about it, but I, I won a lot of championships in that organization for 30 something years. Uh, but I was bored. I'd won everything I could win doing it the way it was being done in the United States. And, uh, on Facebook in 2011, I posted, uh, what do I do now? Uh, after finishing my uh, championship again, uh, or reigning championship, and uh, someone posted on Facebook, have you seen what the Russians are doing? And uh, he sent Isn't me a video to what was called... Uh, <laughs> you know what? Isn't they what might, they, they might be doing that. There's a lot of that now, right? What are the right. Russians what doing? The... And so... And I watch as some teams are at this fortress in Ukraine uh, doing the same thing that I've been doing only much more violently uh, with real steel weapons, not wooden weapons. And I go, where the fuck has this been my whole life? And uh, so I rapidly try to find it here in the U S and I find that there are some people talking about doing it, but they haven't done it and that they've got a team, but they really don't have a team. And, uh, I go, well, I plan on going to do this. There's a championship that they're holding that, that the Russians are holding in, uh, Poland in the spring. And I plan on going to fight at that and, uh, to see how well I do against those guys. And so, uh, we gather a team together and by May of that year, we brought 29 of us to Poland, uh, 14 countries, uh, showed up at Battle of the Nations 3 in Poland, and we placed 5th out of 14. Uh, of the people that went, 
of the 29 people that went, uh, 15 of them should have gone. Uh, the rest of, of them were kind of fodder. Uh, so we did kind of get our ass kicked. Uh, but when we came home, uh, I had already started up the Knights Hall to train myself to get ready for this uh, in December of 2011. And uh, said, hey, uh, we've got to change the way we do things. And so I started to create a training program on how to train our fighters uh, who were mostly in their mid to late 40s to fight against athletes in their 20s. Uh, in, in their primes. And uh, so we were successful in that the following year, the only team that beat us was Russia. And then uh, the following year, uh, we won a bunch of uh, world championship medals. Uh, seven out of the nine events, we won gold in in 2014. So, so take a so take us through. So what? So you know, seven out of the nine events. So take us through. Take us through what what those events are. What what the different um, structures or, or, or bouts are. Sure. So uh, our sport is really a variety of sports. Uh, so long sword fighting. So you're fighting with long swords, uh, which are about four feet long, uh, and you're going to use techniques to strike your opponent as many times as you can strike them in a 30 second, or I'm sorry, a 90 second window. And then uh, the person who hits them the most gets the most points, very much, very similar to amateur boxing, the way that's scored, uh, except you get takedowns and uh, strikes with the pommel and of course the edge of the blade. So that would be long sword. Then there's sword and shield rounds. Uh, then there's a pole arm fight. Uh, and then uh, we also have five-on-five five melees where you have a team of eight fighters that uh, can put out five fighters at a time, and you would fight against the other country's five-on-five five team. Then you have 10-on-10 uh, 10 10 teams that you do the fighting, and then you have 16-on-16 16 16 teams. Uh, and then you have women's divisions as well. I've seen the uh, I, I've seen you know various different videos of the stuff that, that that you've done from the individual fighting to to the melees. I mean, it's it's really unbelievable. And and as somebody that you know, as a kid, uh, loved everything about knights and King Arthur, and and considers you know I consider myself a you know a amateur a amateur historian on the Arthurian legends and things of that nature. Uh, not to mention, I was wildly influenced by. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So uh, all of all of those things to watch to watch this was was so incredibly uh, fascinating. And then to come up and see it live, you know, like anything, you know, you see it, you see it on camera, you, you see it on your computer or, or whatnot, and it's one thing. And then you go see it live, and and to hear the metal on metal to see the sheer, as I say, violence and aggression to see sparks flying off the axe blows. Uh, I mean, it's. It takes the idea of the medieval manner, which is, you know, played for, you know, silliness, I suppose, uh, to a whole new level. How did you, how did you turn that into a business? How did, how did you say, well, well, not only can I do this for, for my own hobby uh, or, or my own pursuit, as it were, uh, you know, I, I shouldn't say hobby, uh, but as my own pursuit, how, how does it go from that to, to a business? Because, you know, you've really put some things behind it, which I find very interesting. So it didn't start off as a business. Uh, it started off as a hobby, right? So 
I'm a, I've been doing this medieval fighting stuff most of my life. I met my wife uh, doing it. You know, I raised my uh, children in it. And uh, so we've been doing this medieval fighting and traveling all over the country, doing the other wooden fighting stuff as a hobby. I had a, a job working for a financial uh, company uh, as a senior PM, uh, project manager. And uh, I made pretty good money and I could do pretty much anything I wanted to do, uh, living the American dream. And uh, it, in 2013, uh, my company downsized and I got laid off. And I was looking at all my options of things I wanted to do. And I said, you know what, why don't I turn this into something professional? And uh, on a, basically on a whim, I didn't do market research. I didn't do all of the things that you're supposed to do when you start a business. Uh, I just said, I feel this pretty, pretty good that we're going to be able to grow this thing. And uh, so with zero students, I started up this uh, full contact martial arts school uh, teaching medieval fighting. Which is so interesting to me, right? Because, uh, you know, th this whole podcast and what we talk about, sure, a lot of it centers around, you know, entertainment and comedy, but really, really, it, it's it's more around uh, being an entrepreneur, starting a business and, and finding ways, finding ways to have courage in yourself to do the things that you want to do. And it, it's so interesting to me, right? Because you're coming from, you're coming, as you say, you're living the American dream. You're coming from a very, you know, secure, traditional background and you're doing very well. And many, many people, you know, they take that secure, traditional background. And of course, you find the things that you love to do. It can be, it can be what you're doing. It can be golf. It can be amateur car racing. It, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter where, where you put, put that money to. But I'm always interested to hear the story, right? So I'm sure that must have been traumatic. You got downsized. You you got laid off. To for for so many of us, for so many people in the world, that's that's devastating and and it's it's certainly fraught with fear and to be able to say, "Well, no, I'm going to take that and 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 instead react in a fearful way to try to find that next financial uh analyst job or whatever it is that you're doing." You looked at it and you took it as the opportunity to pursue the thing that you love. What what was going through your mind? I mean, and and I'm I'm you know I'm presupposing there was fear here, but maybe there wasn't any at all. What was going through your mind when you were laid off or downsized? Well, so I knew that there was there was risk, of course, uh, but I also know I have I've got a lot of confidence in my own abilities, and uh, I felt that I could make this happen. Uh, and if it didn't work, what do I have to do? I have to go find another project management job and do the same old, same old work with spreadsheets and convince people to do their work uh, that that project managers have to do. So if I had to, I could go back into you know that world. But I wasn't really concerned about doing that so much. I thought that this would work. Uh, I felt that if I grew a, a league. Uh, of people doing this throughout the United States. I knew that there was interest. I was part of that SCA organization in the past that had 25,000 to 40,000 members. So medievalism and fighting in armor is something that people like to do. And I didn't want to do medieval recreation the traditional way where everyone, you know, does the forsooth talking and and dresses up in medieval clothes. I wanted to focus on the medieval combat aspect 
of this reenactment type of thing. And uh, the martial aspects have always been the most uh, interesting to me. And that in this environment, I'd be able to really challenge uh, what people have figured out about medieval fighting. Uh, so well, I think I think also a couple things, right, that, that jump out to me is, you know, you, you'd said, hey, you, you thought that it would work. You didn't do it in a traditional way. You didn't do market research and, and, and dive into the that all that stuff, I think, scares the hell out of people. They, they think that there's a way to do it. They think that when you start something, you start a business, you follow your passion. A lot a lot of people get scared because they're like, well, I've been told that I have to do market research and I have to find, uh, you know, do a real in-depth analysis on the competitive landscape. No, you don't. You do not need to do that. Not not if you're start. Not if you're initially starting something that you already have a passion for. Maybe that you've already been doing it. So on one level, you didn't do any market research. On the other level, you had a ton of market research because you already knew that people were doing this, right? You already right. Knew right. So I had experience in that world. Right. And and you got experience in that world because you threw yourself into it initially. And I and I think so much of what what you know when I talk to people about be it comedy or anything else, it's, you know, you've got to take that first step and throw yourself into it. You got to get on that stage or take that class, uh, whatever it is, but you, you got to get, you know, you got to, you got to throw yourself into it. And so, so you did that. And then what I also love, right, is the modernization uh, of an idea that's been around for a long time. Obviously the Renaissance fairs and, and all of that have been around for a long time. And I agree, right? As much as I love this stuff, what I have very little interest and no tolerance for is the forsooth speaking. The you know that 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 that's a turnoff to me, and it always has been. Um, whereas no, the 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 martial arts, the fighting, I love that. I love that in the movies. I love that and everything. So to see you doing that and and talking about it as it's Fight Club with armor, yeah, yeah. I love I love that you've done that. So so you've you've turned that into a you know a training center, a gym. Talk talk about what what is that? What does that entail? So uh, I wanted to kind of model it off of uh, a combination of the way medieval fight halls were run, uh, which I have you know historical stuff to look at. But I wanted to also make it a modern martial arts school, uh, so that it would have the flavor of medieval but be uh, trained in modern training techniques. Uh, so I looked into uh, fitness programs, took some myself, uh, found uh, Tabatas to be the ideal for, for bang for your buck uh, on getting people in and training. Uh, and explain, the, explain that for those of us that aren't as familiar with what Tabatas so, are. So um, high intensity interval training uh, is the category, but there was a professor from Japan who worked with the Japanese speed skating teams, and he came up with uh, a, a technique of uh, basically recovery. So you do things for uh, two times the amount of time, and then uh, that, so say 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off. So you would do uh, push-ups. 20 seconds of push-ups, then 10 seconds of rest. Then 20 seconds of push-ups, as many as you can do, 10 seconds rest. 20 seconds of push-ups, and then 10 seconds rest. And so that, and then you move on to the next exercise. 
he did it all with right. uh, bicycles or uh, recumbent bikes. But what I wanted to do was to uh, use the exercising to supplement what a fighter would have to do in armor. So I made sure that people were doing things underweight, dropping to the ground a lot, uh, basically doing all the motions that you're going to do while you're fighting. Uh, I have made sure that the exercises that we do here are going to help you as an armored fighter move around in your gear, uh, supplements the strikes that we do, uh, supplement the throws that we do, and basically all of the different movements are tied together with our uh, fitness program. And so, and so from, from, the, from the, the gym aspect of it, right? So how does that play into, uh, into the, the league? So, so as I understand it now, you know, you've got the gym, you've, but now there are teams, certainly there are already teams around the, uh, around the world, but there are teams and there are leagues around the country now. Is that correct? That is correct. So uh, when I started this uh, this mess in 2011, uh, I was uh, fighter one. Uh, I was the first one ready to go. Uh, four of us went to an event in Quebec because Quebec was a year in front of us on this. Uh, a, a team of uh, Quebecois from Quebec City had decided to go to Battle of the Nations too. So they were in that video that I had watched. And uh, they were hosting a tournament right after we were interested in it. So we went up and we went and fought and tied for first place in that tournament. Uh, because we had I had this other medieval fighting experience going in. Uh, so when we decided to have this school and create a, a training program, I said, well, in order for us to make you know, the United States good at this, we need to really get our population doing this. So uh, one of the things I helped do is help people start chapters around the country. And so I would uh, say, okay, you can buy into my insurance policy. Once you have three people, you can start a team in whatever city you're in. And then we would help them with their, you know, set up their artwork, uh, set, help them set up a Facebook group. And then anytime people were interested with uh, so they'd you know, ping me on the website or through Facebook, I would send people to them and to the people that were closest to them. The closest fighter to me when I started was seven hours away. You know, now I have 50 plus fighters within an hour of me uh, because we grew it. Uh, and then we did this in New York and we did this in Atlanta. We did this in Florida. We did this in, in, on the West coast. And so now, you know, I'm holding a tournament in Reno, uh, in a couple of weeks and there'll be 75 to hundred fighters at this tournament, even in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, and if we weren't having a pandemic, we'd you know probably have 150 fighters at it. It's, it's just amazing what, what you've done. And, and again, in thinking about it on, on a, on a larger, on a larger scope, right. You know, if somebody, if somebody were to come out and just in a vacuum and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start up a business, where everyone is going to uh, dress up in in actual, you know, steel-plated knight's armor, and they're going to fight, and they're going to beat the crap out of each other, and that's going to be a business. So many people are immediately going to say, that's not a business, that's not going to work, that's crazy. And I think that those, you know, those are all, all the things that we always have to try to push through. And for me, I always look at it, 
when somebody tells me my latest idea is is insane, I usually take that as a positive because that usually means I'm on to something because and look, clearly you've had success in your industry uh, and outside your industry, but in your industry, I have in mind. And so you, you gain a confidence through the success that you've had to start believing in your own ideas. But I love this story because, you know, this is this is as non-traditional as it can get in some ways, right? Which is, which is doing what you're doing. And yet all you've really done is you said, well, if I know martial arts are successful as businesses, which they are, that's already been proven. Mm -hmm. How do I make my martial art capitalize on that? It's no different than, you know, for me, when I started in Prof Asylum, it, you know, comedy was already successful. Yeah, I, and that that's you're exactly right. So when when I saw that what I was doing had, you know, people loved watching it uh and that there were all these people who wanted to do it, all we needed to do was try to bring the barrier to entry down to allow people to do this really cool thing. And you know, if if I could do it, anyone could do it. Is what how I viewed it. And if anyone could do it, then anyone could do this and we could just get this thing growing, but we had to show them that they could do it. And that, you know, getting this out there has been really the hardest part. And we've done a pretty decent job of it. You know, we've got a television show, uh, a, a documentary just hit Amazon that covers it uh, called The New Night. Uh, so we've got some media behind it now. Uh, and... That has helped us. Uh, we are nonstop on social media, which is, you know, if we didn't have social media, we wouldn't have been able to do this. Sure. Uh, that has been the key to growing uh, a thing that didn't exist. And, and as fringy as this thing is, uh, we're, you know, at this point in the United States, we probably have about a thousand fighters in steel armor. Well, as fringy as fringy as this may be, I also think that from a social media standpoint, at least from a visual standpoint, this this is an ideal product, as you will, because if if everything is visual, this is beautifully visual, right? I mean, this every time you see a clip, a picture, a video, or a still, there you know exactly what you're looking at. Uh, and and it's telling a story. So I think I think that that plays very well into you know the importance of social media today. Absolutely. Uh, with and it's not just us, right? The the Russians are promoting this stuff in Europe, and you know, in we've got it in China now. We've got it in Japan. You know, and it's in forty plus countries in the United States. I mean, sorry, in forty plus countries in the world not just in the United States. And so we have all of their social media pushing our product as well, because you see something from M1 come out uh, and people go, oh, this is crazy stuff. Uh, it's only in Russia. And then someone will pipe up in the comment thread. Well, no, you can connect with the United States here. And so we are getting driven, you know, uh, rising tide raises all ships. So as we do events anywhere, we're promoting this sport across the planet uh, because that's how fast social media works. As you look at the sport or, or you look at say like, all right, this is something like I'd be potentially interested in. I would, I would imagine that, you know, one, and I, and I, I can speak for myself, let's say is, you know, the fear of injury, right? Because 
because this is no no shit, right? Uh, the, the fear of injury. How do you address that? Or what do you say to people that say, that say well, I'd be kind of interested in trying this out. Um, I, I have to believe that's one of the, the biggest mental barriers of, uh, of entry. How do you address that? So uh, first off, we address it through the training program and it's trust in your training. So as we put people through fitness training, we also put people through uh, judo type training, uh, kicking and punching and learning how to use all their weapons and we put them through that and then we put them through what is called soft kit training and we have padded gear that we put our fighters in so they start hitting each other with foam weapons and learning how to do all of those things that they're going to do in steel but with foam so it's it's a safer environment to get used to doing this stuff in and then uh, we have very strict safety requirements and uh, materials requirements for armor and armorers. So armor has to meet specific standards. Padding has to meet specific standards. Uh, the thickness of the materials and what materials it's made out of have to meet strict standards. And so we've got a, a strong safety aspect to this. And if people follow our rule set, and follow the advice given during training, their chance of injury is mitigated. Now, I'm not saying that you're not going to get injured because you are. You know, anytime you're fighting with steel weapons, you are likely to get injured in one way, shape, or form, at least hurt. You know, and there's a difference between hurt and injured. So, you know, we hurt each other in this sport on purpose. You know, pain compliance is part of what we do. Driving your opponent to the ground uh, or making them quit because they're in too much pain from being hit uh, is, is, you know, kind of the purpose of the sport. Now that said, we don't want people to be injured, right? So we don't want them to have that knee injury. So, you know, if you've got knee problems, wear your knee brace, uh, you know, strengthen those, you know, strengthen that joint follow PT, do the things that your doctor tells you to do, and then try to do the things that we're advising you to do as well. Hey, you know, titanium makes it faster. Yeah, you can wear titanium armor. Yes, it's legal. However, in these conditions, it's not. You know, you might be able to wear titanium armor in sword and shield fights, but once you get into the melee fights and someone's hitting you with a battle axe, you don't really want the titanium because that force is going to transfer through the titanium a lot faster and you're likely to get injured. So if we advise people the proper way, if we have a rule set that takes care of them, and then we have insurance for when things go bad, uh, all of those things uh, together mitigate that risk of injury. Yeah. Well, I, I look at rugby, right? And, 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 and so I played a lot of rugby. Uh, I, I was uh, I was a member of the South Shore Anchors for a few years, uh, uh, playing on, on the uh, the old boy side, the 35 plus side. And look, it's, it's a fun game, but it's the same thing. I mean, you're not going to come through a rugby game without experiencing some pain. That's I mean, you're just you're not right. And, and, and obviously you, you, you're trying to mitigate it from your tackling forms and everything else and your training. But any way you slice it, if you're on the bottom of the scrum and they're all trying to grab the ball from you, uh, you know, human-on-human uh, uh, human contact hurts. You're catching a thumb to the eye. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's just the way it's going it to be. very so, similar to that. So, 
Yeah. And, and I love rugby and, and that, but that's what makes it the joy to play, right? Is, you know, you, you feel like you, you feel like you've gone through something when, when you finish a game and certainly at, at, on one level, you're like, look, I'm just playing rugby at the South Shore Rankers and on the old boy side, I want to win. I'm just happy to be out getting through this game. So, uh, and, and there, there's something very positive to that. What, so what is, how does this, so do you have gyms, uh, does does Knights Hall exist outside of New Hampshire? Do you have other gyms? Do other people do gyms? How, what's the business landscape of this? So so right now uh, there are three uh, three gyms in the country, uh, real you know solid gyms. Uh, there's mine, the Knights Hall, which is the first one and the largest one. Uh, there's uh, Warlord Academy in Dallas. And then there's Ironhide Gym in Washington, D.C. And these are three gyms that uh, focus on our sport. Uh, there are other smaller ones that are out there uh, that have uh, just kind of started to get going, but they were starting when COVID hit. So I'm not right. sure if they are up and running at all at the moment. Uh but it is it is small, and people are using the Knights Hall as a model for how to do it. And I'm certainly willing to help people do that. I'm starting to license uh, instructors uh, with my system outside of this area. Uh, so you're going to see that uh, starting in Baltimore, uh, New York, and LA, and Vegas. So you're going to start seeing licensed uh, Knights Hall instructors in those locations so that they can, you know, go into their schools, follow a curriculum that I already have established that has proven successful. And, uh, so there's that. And then, and then there are other people trying to create their own thing. And, you know, again, that's all good because I don't have all the ideas. Right. And if there's a good idea out there, I'm going to glean it as quick as I can to, you know, help my fighters, uh, do better and be more efficient. So uh, I love seeing that there are other people doing stuff out there. Uh, there's a, a group up in Seattle that's doing some really good stuff. Uh, and I can't wait until they have a, a more traditional uh, fighting studio so that they can get if this out to the masses. So how do we bring this to Boston, Jay? <laughs> how do we bring this to uh, outside of Boston? There, I, It just strikes me that the, there's got to be I would imagine, you know, so my, my problem has been investment. You know, I, I did this out of, out of pocket. I didn't take out any loans. Uh, I used my 401k and my wife's 401k to make this thing happen. And uh, we have not gotten our ROI back on that yet, but uh, that's going to be a long time coming. We've invested quite a bit, but it is now growing at a, at a pretty good clip. Uh, and we figured out ways to uh, get folks in on the ground level uh, early on. You know, there's a lot of experimentation when you start something new. We were pretty hardcore about the, the steel fighting. And uh, we didn't really have room for people who weren't willing to train as hard as, as the top ones were training. So we kind of drove some people away a little bit because we were a little too hardcore. So we've softened it up a little bit and, you know, which opened it up for more people to be able to participate. Not everyone's as, you know, willing to go work as hard to become world champions. And 
there's a lot more space for people to do this stuff. You know, we can have dabblers in this sport. Uh, well, that's that's smart, right? You know, if if you look at it, so if I look at you know the the you know very similar thing, right? So we've got we've got improv and we've got the theater, we've got the professional theater with the professional shows, uh, and and the the actors that 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 are trained their entire life, you know, their professional lives, and, and move up through the ranks to be able to claim those spots. But we have an entire training center. And, and from a business standpoint, it becomes very important. And in fact, we even market our training center to say like, well, no, these are all the things that you're going to get out of taking improv classes with us. Matter of fact, very, very, a tiny percentage of you are ever going to move into the ranks of professional. And, and in fact, if we were only doing a training center specifically for those to move into being professionals, well, th- there would be no market for that because there's there's too few spots to be a professional. So I think I think from a, from a, a business standpoint, it does become very important to say, well, how I have an interest, but I don't have an interest in 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 fighting the Russians, but I do have an interest in participating in this, seeing where I can go with it. Uh, more importantly, getting in shape and and you know being part of something that has passion around it. So I think it makes a lot of sense to figure out ways to say, well, how do I get the quote unquote dabblers in? Because what they're going to get out of it, it's almost as teachers, I I can't determine what you're going to get out of it because so often people take improv classes and they come back to me and they're like, man, this has changed my life or uh, my work life, my, 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 my personal relationships. Okay, great. I, that wasn't my intent. So I have to let people, I have to let people get out of it what they want to get out of it to a degree. Yes, and that that was a that was learning on our part uh, because we were focused on some certain things, and our focus was so strong on building the uh, most efficient, uh, best training facility that we could. We kind of lost sight of of basically good business uh, sure. for a little while, and then uh, once that came to and honestly, uh, it's not even so much about business as it's about community. And I think that's the key point is that what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to build an armored combat fighting community, you know, a- across the United States. And how do we include everybody that wants to be part of this in this? And how do we, you know, validate how they want to do this as well? You know, I don't have the the blueprint on, on everybody's enjoyment. So I want to make this as enjoyable for everybody as possible. Yeah. You know, that, that is, it's just so important because by building that community, you're getting critical mass and, and building a world-class training facility program show does not, they're not mutually exclusive. So we have, look, our professional shows, our mainstay shows, there's some of the best improv and sketch comedy shows in the world. And we also have students that come do stuff on Tuesday nights and, and they, they're not mutually exclusive. If anything, I I find that they support each other, right? Because then you have those students who feel part of this larger thing in Prov Asylum. Uh, They're excited to see the professional shows, even though many, if not most of them won't go on to, to that professional side of it. Hey, a lot of them, that, that, that's not what they want to do anyway. So it's not, it's not a mutually exclusive thing. And yet it kind of uh, perpetuates that larger community, which in turn perpetuates, I think, a better, you know, a better business, even if that's not, you know, the, the one-to-one goal of it. Uh, 
Well, you, you know, so a couple things here, Jay, and I, and I know we've talked a, a few times. I have to get up there and 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 take a you know get get through a, at least one kind of demonstra uh, demonstration class or something. Uh, I would be uh, I'm a tactile type of person, and for me, I, I've always been a very bad spectator. If if there if I see something, I generally want to do it. If I can't do it, then I you know then I, I'm not all that interested in. It. So I, I got to get up there and and get through. Uh, uh, some kind of, you know, intro open, open studios class. Do you have anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. I have those, uh, Mondays and Wednesdays, uh, at 6 PM, uh, 6 PM, 7 PM and 8 PM Mondays and Wednesdays are, are kind of our intro day classes. And then also, uh, daytimes, but those are small. Those are really small. Uh, sometimes there's only one or two or three students. So I prefer you, you came into like a six o'clock because then you'd, you'd get a good uh, cross-section of the people that are going to be part of it, too. Ari, are you up for joining me? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's the most fake yeah I've heard. But No, I absolutely am. All right, good. All right, <laughs> making sure. Yeah, so we'll do that. I am so into it. It'll it'll be a blast, uh, and we'll we'll bring we'll bring if it's okay we'll bring the camera crews and, and stuff like that, uh, and then sure. secondly, man, I'm telling you, and I've been saying it for a while, but at at some point, you know, uh, we should carve out some time to say, you know, I don't know what are the opportunities uh, down here in and around Boston because uh, I'm 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 always looking for that next uh, fun and exciting and new and interesting thing. So yeah, I'm looking right now. I'm working with one of one of my guys on trying to set up a South Shore facility. You know, Nashua's kind of got the northern part kind of covered, but uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out something uh, really towards Norwood uh, or uh, Dedham, somewhere over there to uh, put a training facility. Sure, baby. Right, because I've got probably 10, 20 people that are interested in doing this or some of whom you know, drive, you know, drive up from Rhode Island or drive up from Fall River to come here. And I'd love to put something, you know, down over there. It's just finding a piece of real estate that's cheap enough uh, to support the beginning of this, really. Um, and then once I've got that, then I'll have a training facility south of the city. I, li I live down on the South Shore. So uh, if I can be of any service to you down there, I know a lot of, a lot of people down here with buildings and and everything in between so uh so i think it, it's uh it's worth uh continuing the conversation uh i, I think that'd be great yeah. so i know that we're i know that we're in the middle of uh COVID and all that but but you did say you know you did say you got the fight coming up in reno what what does what does the schedule look like you know how do you see this uh for the rest of uh 20 uh 2020 and into 2021 where where can we see men and women clad in armor hitting each other with axes and swords in real life when we're ready to do that again. So for, uh, I'm basically using, this is my final big show of the year. Uh, the one out in Reno, uh, with the numbers starting to climb up, uh, I want to keep my people safe. So we're going to basically shut down, uh, fighting operations for probably November, December. Uh, and, see what's going on post-election, post, election, post uh, some sort of vaccine release, and uh, see what we can do for uh, having live shows here in New England. The first one I think we're going to have uh, is the beginning of January. Uh, we're looking to do our New Year's uh, bash 
which is uh, one-on-one fights, usually uh, five rounds, 10-point must system, uh, weight classes, uh, and people have to go at it for two minutes in each round. So they're pretty violent. Uh, And then uh, Rookie Rumble is our next big one. We're looking to try to do that in February. Uh, And that usually, well, anyone who's been fighting under uh, two years are going to be eligible to fight in this thing. And we usually get 40, 50 fighters at it uh, to see who the top rookie is. Uh, It takes a, a fighter really about... 18 months or so to just figure out how to move around in their armor. So we let them have their first fight. And then after their first fight, that's when the timer starts to go on whether they're eligible to be in this uh, particular event. You know, normally I would have 24 events planned for uh, 2021. Uh, I planned close to 35 events for 2020 uh, and had to cancel 28 of them at this point. Yeah. I know that, I know that feeling very well. Uh, you know, we're kind of in the same boat, obviously all of our clubs are closed. Uh, and you know, I don't, I don't anticipate anything coming back till after the first of the year at the earliest, if not longer, but same thing, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where everything, where everything lies, but, uh, you know, I can't wait to get up to the class. I can't wait to uh, can't wait to see more events when they're coming live. Where 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 can people find uh, find you? Find your stuff? Uh, where on social media? Where on the websites? Uh, tell us a- everywhere so that we can find information. All right. Well, I've got a bunch of places to find us. Uh, first off, uh, the Knights Hall uh, on Facebook. The page is the Knights Hall, and you can also. Uh, find us at Knights Hall Battle Days, which we hold every couple of weeks currently outside where people can come meet our community and uh, fight with foam weapons. So we have loner gear for people to come out there and bap each other quite a bit. And we do those on on Sundays uh, twice a month uh, right here locally. Our last outdoor one is November 1st. which is uh, our Halloween one. Uh, but we have one coming up on the 18th as well, right here at Greeley Park in Nashua. Uh, and then uh, you can find us at armoredcombatsports.com, thenightshall.com. Uh, look for Armored Combat Sports in, your, in Facebook and join our Armored Combat Sports community, which will tell you about everything that's going on. Uh, and then, you know, we are on Instagram on the Knights Hall and on also on Armored Combat Sports. And you'll find us on Twitter with uh, the Knights Hall. You also find Sir J, which is me, uh, on Twitter. Uh, so we're we're out there all over the internet. And if you look up uh, International Medieval Combat Federation, you'll find things about uh, the international end of things. Uh, for that organization. And if you're looking uh, for more, there's uh, HMB, which is Historical Medieval Battle, uh, which is the Russian organization. Uh, Well, it's really a Liechtenstein organization now, so not much difference. Uh, But uh, you can find that uh, organization as well. Uh, There's lots of stuff out there about 
our sport now uh, and growing every day. Uh, and you can also find me uh, if you have individual questions at j at armoredcombatsports.com. That's J-A-Y-E at armoredcombatsports.com uh, via email. Well, that is uh, that is a wealth of information. And Ari will have all those links, yes. up, uh, all those up, because that's what Ari does uh, <laughs> so well. Uh, Jay, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Beyond the Norm. You're welcome. It was great to be here. And uh, uh, I can't wait to have you up here uh, doing some training. Oh, I can't wait. And, and yeah. Ari's eyes are just lighting up with the idea of being <laughs> able to hit me with an axe. So uh, it, it'll be fun. <laughs> it'll be well worth it. Uh, so uh, thank you, Jay, as always. Thanks to the, the lovely and the talented and the uh, subversively aggressive Ari Goldberg. <laughs> Uh, You're welcome. You can find us all here at Beyond the Norm, and we will talk to you later. Yeah.